Welcome everybody back to the Clear Out Podcast with your host Matt Brooks. Uh, we are brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast, and I am joined by newest member of the Nets beat, Lucas Kaplan. What an easy couple of days you've had, man! I know, I know. Maybe I'm in another on another team in another world. I would say I'm partially responsible for the last week or so, but the track record is too long for me to claim any hand in this. Yeah, um, I don't know where to start with this podcast. I'll start with the obvious. The Nets are two and six. They do not look good. Uh, there are a million things going wrong right now. The Nets are looking like the Cleveland Browns of the NBA right now. It's bad. Um, and uh, I don't know. Um, I guess how are I'll just start. How are you feeling about everything that's happened before we get into? I guess the specifics. Just, I mean. I- how I imagine and how I'm told that most people that have any affiliation, direct, indirect fandom of the Nets are feeling, I mean, bad, you know, just icky. Um, I started doing this on my own before Nets Daily, before tweeting, just watching film and writing to myself just because I really loved basketball. I'm breaking it down and talking about it. And that just feels pointless right now as i'm sure a lot of people feel like watching the games are right now pointless so i would say that's a big word right now pointless and icky which it takes a lot to feel that that way eight games into the start of a season but i mean we're here yeah i mean i think people know like you and i normally we'd sit down and we go through schemes we talk about oh yeah what the nets are running offensively i don't expect us to bring up basketball once because frankly the nets don't look like they're interested in basketball and everybody's saying that whatever everything going on isn't a distraction i just think you're kidding yourselves because this team looks dead in the water right now um and it's not the role players aren't coming through it's not you know they have two guys averaging above 30 and you know they suck (laughs) so let's be real yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat. I'll, I'll be honest, like I'm I'm fucking burned out. It's game eight, and I'm fucking burned out. Um, this basketball for me is a safe space, and this has just been a lot this week. And I don't want to make this like, oh, woe is me. And I'm just because I know other people are feeling like this. Um, you know, coming into this season, this is about as excited as I've been for a season. You know everything's back to normal, no COVID. This has been kind of an interesting year for me personally. So just being able to like dive into my work has been big for me. And then it's just been kind of like everything that has made the Nets beat difficult has been on 10 this year. And it's been quicker and it's been even the little bits and pieces of things that have been fun about this in the past have not been fun. And I'm sure everybody's feeling that way watching this team. So me personally, I'm I'm upset by a lot of this. And I think part of that is just like I I like when people are like, why don't you guys ask basketball questions? I would love to. Love <laughs> I love- please let me ask about basketball. I would love to. But guess what? First off, there's no basketball to speak of right now. 
none. And second off, that's just, that's just irresponsible at this moment. I, I'm sorry. Like, that's, that's what we're here to do. So I think that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm in peop- I'm with everybody. I want to talk about basketball, but like there is a lot going on with this team. So I we should probably rip off the something to say. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say this we in a way we are talking about basketball because the, when you what you see on the court is I don't see how anybody can describe it as something the words I used like the off-court stuff is bleeding out onto the court and the nets are slipping all over it. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about this is why they're not a good basketball team right now. Obviously, it's not the only reason, but this is why there's no on-court dynamics to speak of. I mean, the word that comes to mind is soul-sucking. It really yeah. is soul-sucking. And for me, getting onto the V, great experience, I mean, great opportunity, thankful for it. And it's been what I've wanted. I could not imagine right now feeling the way I did two, three years ago about this team as just a fan entirely removed from the beat. If I was solely a fan and was not writing or producing content or reporting or whatever, it would be, I mean, I know how it would feel. It would just be why even bother investing any time in this team at all. I mean, it almost feels irresponsible that I'm, you know, profiting in a sense, career wise, off of this team if i didn't have that there would just be absolutely no reason to invest a drop of energy or time and that's why it makes it so hard to like want to sit down and watch film yeah yeah i mean it's just i again this basketball and it's not that's not how life works like you don't just get to do what you like obviously this is a job and that's going to come with that but it is hard when you know you're doing you're trying to do something that you look as not just a hobby, but like as a true passion mm-hmm. and it, it becomes completely washed away or the aspects that you like about it are washed away by stuff that is hard to discuss uh, for one. Um, but two, just like really heavy, like just heavy, like workplace harassment is heavy. Anti-Semitism is heavy. They're both important. And that's what we're going to talk about today, yep. but it's heavy. So let's, We'll start with the Kyrie stuff. Uh, it's, I'm, I don't really know where to begin. I think people know what's happened. Uh, he shared a link to an Amazon documentary that was full of anti-Semitic tropes. Is probably a good way to start. Yeah. Um, I would say there's a lot of historical, a, a lot of history that is really sad about this whole story that is playing out real time. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, I think Nick Wright of, of uh, he did like a really good explanation on his Twitter that I want to link. I'm going to try to link this on Twitter um, th- that I thought was like a pretty sound explanation of like why this whole thing is so sad that, that what's happening, you know, just in general. Um, and uh, it's just, I know you're uh, of Jewish faith and a, a fan of the Nets, so I wanted to kind of like give you the floor and let you discuss this a little bit, and then we'll kind of get a little bit more into where this has gone and, and what we think is going to happen next. Right. I think the Nick Wright um, tweet that you mentioned is excellent. You should link it. Growing up in New York, playing basketball, as I did, born in the year 2000, grew up in the 10s, whatever, 
it's hard for people, I think, that did not grow up in the social media age to understand who Kyrie Irving is and was and why we'll see tweets like, five on five, who are you taking? And it's like Hakeem and Bill Russell and LeBron. And then like Kyrie's the point guard on these teams. If you understand that, it makes sense why he holds this place in NBA discourse. I mean, he had the perfect aesthetic game. He had the best shoes. He was the epitome of what you want in street baller, the way he played basketball. He was young. He was cool. I mean, he was everything to a kid like me growing up wanting to play basketball. And when he came to the Nets, as I'm sure a lot of Nets fans knew, New Jersey Roots, Nets fan, it was such a homecoming. And I was so excited to write about my favorite team with my favorite player on it. And walking into that press room, obviously a lot of that had dissipated. I had turned this into more of a professional hobby. Walking into that room after the Pacers loss, hearing him answer the first few questions about the link that he posted and whatnot, the veil, if it was not already completely pulled back, it was. I mean, he sat up there and said words and portrayed a demeanor that I've seen so many times, not just, I'm not just talking about anti-Semitism, but a lack of critical thought process, understanding, genuflecting, and it is just beyond disappointing to see. Um, there is no, there is no deeper layer with Kyrie right now. I mean, for years I was growing up, I would defend him at every whim. You know, cafeteria debates, sitting in high school. Kyrie's this, Kyrie's that. So he wants to trade from the Cavs. So what? Oh, so what? He didn't want to resign in Boston. He's not hurting anyone. And you could, I, you could still make those arguments. It was all basketball related. It just was a shattering of the glass as soon as he walked in that room watching him not try to defend himself i mean he wasn't trying to defend himself he was defending what he thought he was almost disturbed that people had the audacity to ask questions and i will speak on that you know the specifics of anti-semitism here in a second but it's just been world shattering for a lot of Nets fans, I think, from the organization. But Kyrie has really personified it in the last few days. And his thought process being on display in the way that it is, is so disappointing to me for so many reasons. And I can't even tell you that being raised Jewish is at the forefront of it. I've never experienced personal anti-Semitism. You look at me, you see a white guy. I benefited tremendously from white privilege. I can't tell you I felt a personal attack. Obviously, every Jew that's felt this way, you know, deserves to feel that way. Um, I watch Nets games with my 93-year-old grandmother all the time. Loves Kyrie, loves to talk about it. You know, she's done with the Nets. She's done with Kyrie. She won't watch. I mean, she was born in 1929. What am I going to say to her? Like, it makes total sense. And that, for me, is not even the source of why I'm feeling this way. It was nothing personal just to see his, as I said, the thought process, everything on display, lack of remorse, the doubling down, the lack of critical thinking. Why would you want to root for this team led by this guy? And 
it just seems eons away from the joyous sensation that he was and still is to some people for a lot of his career. I mean, in the preview this year, I wrote he was the player I was most excited to watch. Same. Because you watch, when you watch him, you get this giddy laughing experience that is hard to be replicated. And this is just such a cruel reminder that those things do not matter in the way that posting a link to an anti-Semitic movie does. Yeah. Um, well, first off, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, he spoke today to media. Um, and I, I think the, the feelings of, of kind of not really being remorseful and just a, a general lack of accountability, uh, things like, I didn't make the documentary. Um, look, I'm, I'm not, like, I don't want to sit here and say, you know, I mean, I, I hope he doesn't, he said some, you know, some of the things in that movie he doesn't believe. I really, truly hope that's true. I'm believing that that's true. I do. Um, but when you do that and you say some of the things aren't true, but I didn't make the documentary, it just like loses that sense of accountability in a sense. And I think that's the, I mean, other, other than the obvious, like that's the issue for me in the last 24 hours that's really, you know, that's really, really uh, grown is that lack of accountability that seems to get worse and worse every time he goes in front of a microphone and the need to just apologize is, is like, you know, now you really need to do it after, I mean, after today's events, we're recording this on Thursday. Um, and after kind of how practice went today, it's like, it needs to happen now. Like now, now it's, now I'm kind of like, all right, like not that he didn't before, but it's like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's the there, accountability is glaring. There is no apology at this point because we only know that it would ring insincere. I mean, he just has all the makings of a classic, stubborn, holier than thou situation yeah. in which he believes he's right and that's it. He is the enlightened one in his mind. He is correct. And I almost hate to use this phrasing, but I know where he's coming from. He's a black Native American. He's seen his ancestors, his family, people close to him be trampled by what we can attest is happening all around us all the time. A small group of mainly white, very wealthy people have an unimaginable amount of money and power and over and over and over again, use it to trample the most vulnerable members of society. That's what Kyrie sees. And I'm sure he's making $45 million a year. And even he's surprised about how little he can do individually to change the system. But that is what it is. He's looking for a greater conspiracy theory here. Yeah. And that's what anti-Semitism is. He's looking for yeah. a specific group of people to blame for these things, not accepting that this truth that he's discovering and that he's down the rabbit hole of and that he's getting, he's working his mind to this complicated truth exists all around us every day in every facet of life. And when he says the words, I'm not anti-Semitic, I know he's a black Hebrew Israelite of which there is absolutely nothing wrong with on his face. Many of those people, tons of people, every religion, nearly every religion is based on believing that those who follow it are the chosen people of God. Absolutely nothing wrong with being a black Hebrew Israelite. A very small faction, including him, believe that white European Jews are 
spawn of Satan and exist to punish those chosen people of God. That is a conspiracy theory. That is what anti-Semitism is. He certainly believes that to some extent, because that's why he's not apologizing. He believes that he and his people are the Semites, and he's so hung up on that language that he will not say that he is not an anti-Semite and apologize for people believing that he is, because in his mind, he believes that is the most important root of his beliefs, and therefore he is not an anti-Semite. He's so focused on the etymology of these words and what they mean that he's forgetting the most practical aspect of language. It's to communicate values and ideas. And he's behaving and acting in a way that certainly exposes a lot of anti-Semitism, regardless of if he believes people of his faith and race are, in fact, the chosen Semites. It's just stubbornness, refusing to learn, refusing to listen, and we've all seen it before in our lives, not talking about anti-Semitism, someone who so clearly believes this thing, no matter what the evidence, no matter what other people say, that once they believe that, that's it. I'm right. I will twist whatever words I have to, to stick to my beliefs, because they are more important than not just what people feel, but objective truths about the world we live in. And it's sad. And that's my rant on anti-Semitism. That's my rant on not just what I think he believes, but what I think is pretty clear where he's coming from. Yeah. That's what I have to say about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much more I have to add other than just saying, I, I think that this is the dangers of when you're given a whitewashed history, um, yep. as many black Americans are, you're, it offers for more room for misinformation. Um, and, and what the sad part about all of this is that you're looking at two historically marginalized groups, two groups that are, two groups that have been victims of horrible human genocide being pitted against each other. Um, and that, and that just, that's, that's a more macro view of this. I think that's kind of what's just heavy, um, yeah. along with all this. But for me personally, I just, it's like, this is sad. This is too marginalized groups and this is i mean again nick wright talked a lot about this in the video um that is that's the sad reality of this is that this is too uh, yeah i'm gonna keep saying the same thing but marginalized groups um going head to head and it's all you know it's it's likely a outcome of white supremacy and that being those ideals being passed down um and it's i don't know it's just it's it's a sad thing and it's sad to see it affect um you know anyone of any standing but you know Kyrie and it's just it's been a lot um to to deal with so i don't I, know i mean we play they play in brooklyn yeah we play in, we play in new york yeah you can yeah. play anywhere and it'd be this big of an issue but yeah you know they play in new york it's almost yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it if it was told to you in in a fictional story do you have anything else on a Kyrie? I don't know, man. I mean, what you said is true. The roots of white supremacy affecting Jewish people and black people in this country is so long, so intertwined. I mean, Henry Ford would write in his weekly newsletter, 1910s, 1920s, all the time about how the Jews and the blacks are in cahoots 
to drive up workers' wages, to make his business less profitable, that the Jews are using the blacks as an instrument to do this and that. And it is something, as Kyrie has pointed out, not the anti-Semitism, but the foundation of white supremacy in this country that is so fundamental to every aspect of American life that it's so disappointing to see him get it wrong in this way. Yeah. Yeah. Truth like, is right there in yeah, front of him. Yeah. It is not this complicated. Right. It's it's like the it's sitting there and it's is just like missing the point. The point is like it's the classic power structure of like what's the best way to keep you know, you mentioned Henry Ford, what's the best way to keep your enemies at bay? Have them become enemies with one another. Like exactly. this I mean, is a I, historical tool that's been used a lot. <laughs> I just has to ask himself this. Does he and I don't want to get too far into this, but this is what I say to people. Do you consider Jews to be white? If you don't, then you're saying that a non-white group that has been excluded from whiteness, much like black people, Hispanic people, Native Americans, have simultaneously been othered by white people, yeah. but also able to become puppet stringing masters of society that control a Eurocentric white world. It, it's two incongruous thoughts. It makes no sense. If you, believe, if you believe Jews are white or closer to whiteness, then there's really nothing to talk about because there are, as a Jew, there are a lot of awful Jews in this world. There are a lot of awful white people in this world that do terrible things to minorities, run their businesses, run corporations, run their countries in a terrible way that benefits only a small fraction of the people. And that's an objective truth I think a lot of us can agree on, but there is no need to other the Jews from that white group that they belong to mm-hmm. other than to rehash stereotypes and prejudices that are thousands of years old. Yeah. There's no need to do it. This all comes back to at his base level, Kyrie believes that we are living in a racist capitalist society that disproportionately harms minorities. That is very true. True. That's it. It's that, that's it. There is no further digging conspiracy theory about Jews that you need to go to. That's what makes me so sad because when I was growing up and listening to Kyrie, he'd say these things that were so insightful at times that I didn't hear other athletes talking about, about white supremacy, about the problem with our education system. He's there. It's, it's Christian. (laughs) Um, Anyway, it's, yeah, it's just, it's uh, missing the point is probably where I want to leave this off on. Yep. Um, Boy, I don't know where to how to segue this. Uh, I guess we'll talk about the coaching change, right? That, that feels like feels like a million years ago that Steve wow. Nash was head coach of this team. Um, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> what a weird segue. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm good. We covered that. Let's we, yeah, uh, I'll start. I think it was the right move, letting him go. Um, think he lost control of the team. Think that's pretty obvious. Team was not playing like there was any sense of you know, urgency. urgency and that to me always suggests that it's time to move on from a coach maybe from the current roster but certain certainly coach um you know i think they could have done this in the summer it is what it is I will, i'll keep the nash stuff quick do you have anything else you want to add on this or is this pretty cool? i this is not sourced Just speculating i think nash would have been gone this summer if it weren't for Joe Sy not wanting to appease KD, yeah, 
and trying to say, hey, I have bold decision-making. He's my guy. I mean, yeah. firing him eight games in is a bad look. Just talking about the firing. I mean, they're two and six, they're underperforming. The writing has been on the wall. It wasn't shocking. Yeah. Happens. The way it happened is, is, is evident of a dysfunctional team that is yes. without leadership. And I'm just like, let's put it bluntly. This team is a mess. A mess. Leadership. It's very clear that nobody has a grip on the steering wheel right now. And when leadership tries to step in and take hold of the steering wheel, it makes things worse. It, cause like this, I'll be, they should have blown this thing up in the summer. Honestly, like what, you know what? Like, all right, well, let's talk about this. So, they're thinking about bringing Ime Odoka in, which <laughs> I don't know if they're thinking about it, but I yeah I well we don't I, I'm waiting on the the announcement yeah. I guess yeah. um so we'll see uh it could break as we're doing this podcast which you know but let's I mean we'll address this bluntly uh is yet another dis- distracting is probably the lightest way to put this yeah uh, this is somebody with a, a pending at least the very least somebody that's been suspended for workplace harassment which is a very complicated subject that people on twitter do not understand fully no. even if we just take at the very basics of what facts have been reported which are he had a consensual relationship it stopped being consensual and he still tried to make advances, that is workplace harassment. That is what workplace harassment is. Just because yeah. it is consensual. And this is where I'm going to, I'm going to get, you know, you, cl- I let you clear out. I'm going to clear it on this side. No, this is ISO. Yeah, we're ISO. <laughs> we're clearing out. Um, that is workplace harassment. The second something stops being consensual, and this is the dangers of having a relationship in the workplace, is that the second this stops being consensual, it becomes harassment. That is just based on what's reported. There have been other things. I know our boss, Robert Windrum, put out on Nets Daily that he has sent multiple messages to women that are on, you know, I guess are also harassment. But even if we take exactly what's reported, it is harassment. If you don't believe me, you can go to the New York government website. There is a very good 40-minute course that will teach you everything you need to know about workplace harassment. If you don't believe me, I am going to link that in this in below this podcast, right? Just so we can all be clear, that is what is defined in New York State. That is harassment. So if we go off that, the Nets are electing to bring somebody in with a history of workplace harassment into a team that is dysfunctional, that is dealing with a star player posting a video or a documentary with anti-semitic tropes and that is supposed to be the thing that solidifies everything and irons everything out that is what's going on right now uh i'm going to tell you right now i do not blame any women within the the organization that feel a certain way about this with Ime. and it's it's another thing that i think fans are there are some fans that are thrilled about it there are other fans that are going to feel a certain type of way about this um and it's just another thing that is now thrown into this melting pot of just chaos. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. That's exactly. You just described the facts. Uh, you, I don't even knew. I don't even think you threw an opinion in there. I mean, that no. is literally what happened. I mean, what you said is a good point. This is why these workplace situations in which 
I mean, have we not learned anything? All you heard, not all you, I know, all you heard last five years, educating people about power dynamics, the yep. myth of, of, of an imbalanced power consensual relationship in the workplace is because this is what not happens all the time, but is very prone to happening. It is, the Celtics felt they had to suspend him for a year. Yep. This is how many fluff, not fluff, how many pieces did you read from January to June, Celtics final run, finals run, about how what an amazing leader he was, who united the team, how he was exactly what the Celtics needed, about how this was one of the best coaching hires in a long time. I mean, they're not hiring a middling coach. Yeah. I mean, they didn't suspend a middling coach, rather. It should tell you all you needed to know. Um, and, you know, whether you want to say the Nets are just the first team that lined up to hire him, you know, other teams would have. It's the NBA. We see what's going on. I'm sure somebody else would have hired him at some point. But for the Nets to do this right now, it's baffling. It yeah. really is. I mean, we haven't seen if there are any legal proceedings that are going to come from that situation. There has been no real have you seen anything that's like been like atonement from his side? I think he's, I have, he's kept his mouth shut. Yeah. Completely. Which, and it's like, as I said, this is a dysfunctional basketball team, a dysfunctional, desperate basketball team. And desperate organizations will do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to try and keep things afloat. So I hope, I truly hope, I hope that they have vetted the hell out of Ime Udoka because there are two and many people have brought this up for them to do this directly after Steve Nash was fired or during or during or before. I I mean, we can sit here and we can come up with the conspiracy. I totally believe if they've been vetting him since the suspension happened, I would hope that's what it is, right? That they've been doing this. That would be way better that they were doing this and keeping Nash as the lame Duck. You know, the lame duck head coach, yeah, yeah. because at least they'd be vetting him, right? So it's either they didn't vet him at all, or they did their vetting in 20 minutes, or or they've been doing this behind Steve Natch's back, which is like, you know, whatever, like not, not the nicest thing to do to an employee, but still, I'm hoping that's what happened. And right now, based on everything that has happened with the Nets, based on the last three years, based on the things that, I mean, shit, do you think they vetted this this Kyrie situation that well? Like, they were not prepared for all of this. So yeah. I'm not sure why anybody should look at this situation and be like, yeah, I feel pretty good about this right now. I mean, as and the Kyrie thing, as more and more uh, interviews went on and details came out, it, they just looked, the Nets looked so bad at, with every passing second. I mean... They had two days before the Pacers game. Steve Nash comes out and repeatedly says, you know, we're not familiar with the material. We don't know. The statement mentions anti-Semitism once, and it's just a boilerplate. We reject all forms of hate, this, that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they – it's it's a PR catastrophe on how to handle situations, on decision-making, and, you know – couple years ago, a year ago, you heard Joe Psy rumors of, I want to take this culture back. I don't care how good KD and Kyrie are. I'm not proud of this culture. 
I'm not proud of this organization. Sean Marks got up there at the end of your presser last year and said, we need to hold guys accountable. We want guys that are invested. And you thought maybe for one second, even if the players didn't reflect it, even if the coaches didn't, there were maybe some high level decision makers in the organization that had integrity, had morals, had values. I, why, why you can't, no one believes that now. I mean, no. the, I feel so bad for guys like Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, Yuta yeah. Watanabe, Edmund Sumner. I mean, these, who else in the organization can you look to and not just be majorly, majorly disappointed in? I mean, I guess Ben Simmons. I'm not really super angry or disappointed at him. I mean, no. he's injured. He's hurt. I mean, this is I- probably the worst situation for him possible, though. Awful. By the way, I mean, you goodness. Hey, well, maybe, maybe it's the best. <laughs> no one has a damn question for him. And by no. the way, now he has a knee injury that is yeah. getting worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Jesus, there's about 20 million things that need to be asked. That was like a footnote today that he's just going to miss two more games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, it's just like it. It's a last ditch effort to bring in Ime. Um It is. And. I don't know. I sure don't believe that it's <laughs> that it's gonna work. Like, <laughs> I this is this just feels like a broken a broken machine. It's it's just it, there's so much that's happened. There's so much baggage, and it's like just start fresh. Really, just give up. What the hell are we doing here? That was my thing when this. The Odoka news came out. I'm like, dude, just call it. Like, Jesus Christ. Call it. I mean, I cannot. I was, I really don't understand how more people weren't. I was shocked and blown away. Someone asked Sean Marks in the press conference. I've tweeted it like three times. They said, maybe, I don't think it was Friedel. Maybe it was. He asked, what would you say to Nets fans that don't think they can cheer for this team anymore? On Twitter, I put it more lightly. I said that aren't sure about supporting the team. I listened to the question again. He said, you don't want to cheer for this team anymore. And the first words out of Sean Mark's mouth were, look, I understand. He knows. He knows. Look, I get it. You don't want to root for this (laughs) team anymore. And then he said a couple lines. And he said, I'm certainly not proud of the situation we found ourselves in. And then they're going to hire Udoka after that, after yeah. that, after that. I mean, which, which again, uh, and I can hear people saying it. Well, we don't have the, here's what's been reported. What's been reported is workplace harassment. Cause I know people are going to do like, whatever. It's yeah, every we don't time you, the, uh, we don't know. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah, yeah. Yeah. Blah. No, no, no. What's reported is workplace harassment. So we also, don't need to. Also, we don't, so there's more, right? We don't know. So there's more. What universe is the more good? In what possible scenario are we going to find out things that are going to be like, oh, well, you know, maybe Yudoka wasn't that bad. You know, maybe, maybe he got a bad rap. Maybe as Marcus Smart, who I love, unfortunately said, maybe his name was slandered, you know, what what could possibly come out that will make the unknown better? Well, I mean, let's be honest, like organizations are going to, like if it's not as like if if the extra you know the additional information is not let's say it, it's 
you know, it helps Adoka. He would not be suspended for a year. Like, the the Celtics are going... They have gone from, like, a coach that led them all the way to the finals to a new voice who's younger than some of their players who, you know, we it's been interesting. We don't know. We don't know what he's... You know, I don't... It's been... I don't know. And you don't think if the Celtics thought that he really could stay and coach the team and it wasn't that bad that they wouldn't have fought like hell? They wouldn't have leaked details? And even if these are the details, I'm going to make this point one more time. It's still workplace harassment. So they have perfect reason to suspend him for a year. Because again, if it was consensual and it stopped being consensual, that is workplace harassment. We We can end the conversation right there. There doesn't need to be more like, oh, I feel like he's being framed. He's not. That's the definition of it. <laughs> I mean, the NBA, in all likelihood, would suspend him for league-wide misconduct if they were had the information ready, if yeah. they had what they needed to. I mean, there's no universe that he violated the Celtics' code of conduct and not the NBA's. Yeah. It's it's all that. Any. It's all bad. I it's mean, all bad. I'm I'm bummed out. It sucks as beat writers. It sucks as fans. I mean, the Nets fan inside me is not totally divorced just because I've been on the beat for a couple weeks. Like, yeah, I. It's sad to see. I mean, there are these fans that you see on Twitter that I will not name that have awful opinions, um, awful thoughts to try to defend this basketball team are not Nets fans. I mean, you've gotten to know some of them in real life. By and large, as with a lot of sports fans, this is how the dynamic is. Nets fans are good people. I mean, they love their team. They really do love their team. And it's sad to not only think about this situation, but what's been taken from them. I really hate to say this, but in the last 10 years since they've moved to Brooklyn. I mean, you go to the games, they have the big 10-year anniversary sign, and you look at it now and you just think, what does that mean? What does that entail? You know, what, how am I reflecting on all of this? It's sad. I mean, I couldn't blame anybody for feeling the way, as I started with, that my grandmother feels right now. I mean, yeah. watching games, talking about it, you know, it being a source of joy to this team is despicable and I will not root for them until everybody culpable is gone. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I think that's probably a, Good place to leave it off, <laughs> unless you want to talk about like Cam Thomas, which was. <laughs> oh, by the way, the eleventh man uh, changed his Instagram bio to hashtag Free Me. <laughs> I love I, it. He might. Hey, man, it might be his time soon. He I know. You try to you should try to wait it out through the explosion and yeah, roll. give it a couple months. He might be. He might get some playing time. Nah, I mean, uh, well, um. We'll just keep waiting. We'll just, we'll just keep, keep waiting. waiting. But I, I, I look forward to being able to do what we both like. You know, I want to go back to critiquing pick and pop defense. That was, that was cool. I mean, obviously it, there are more important things afoot, and I'm happy we did this. I think we did a pretty good job here discussing everything at hand, um, and it's important to discuss these things and share ideas and and kind of just sort of absorb this collectively because there's just been a lot that's, I mean, a lot that has happened and a lot of sensitive subjects and issues. Um, 
and and sports is more than just sports. That's always been the case. Um, oh, you know, it's impossible to keep politics out of sports, and to hope that that would be the case is just wrong. And you're you've come to the wrong place. Um, yeah. Truthfully, if you're a sports fan and you don't want to hear about politics or you don't want to hear about any of that, uh, it's it's ingrained in sports. So it's important to have conversations like this. But exactly. I mean, I am glad as much as it's unfortunate, I am glad that I get to be writing about it and talking about it um, because I, it is important to talk about. I mean, that even saying that it is important to talk about is such like a gross understatement that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I mean, politics are sports. Sports yeah. are politics what your sports teams do, these things that you make an emotional investment in as fans, as writers, as players, they generate huge amounts of attention, capital, whatnot. They are, an I mean, they are, they're not a part of politics or a part of society. They are society. I mean, when the pandemic was real to me is when the Timberwolves OKC game got canceled or the Jazz OKC game got canceled. I mean, it's obviously not what we would like to be talking about, but even saying that, I know you and I both, that's not the prevailing sentiment on our minds. I mean, yeah. I want to address these things. I feel like I'm capable. I know you feel like you're capable. And it is important as people who are, I guess, around the nets more than your average fan to make it clear that this is not just how fans feel. This is not whatever. This is the state of the team. And it's reflecting the state of much larger problems. And there is no way in hell that we could sit up here and talk about anything but and give anything but our honest opinions. Yeah. So that's where I'll leave it at that. Deli, we could leave it off in a better place. Anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> no. no. Yuta Watanabe's closeouts. <laughs> All right, five seconds. Yuta's cool. Edmund is sick. <laughs> Joe Harris is a great guy who I wish nothing but the best for. He looks good um, this year. Looks great. As good as anyone could have hoped for off the I, I was worried. I was, I've been worried about it. I was so. worried too. He yeah. is, looks great. Yeah. He looks great. Yuta's awesome. Sumner. Uh, David Duke Jr. is cool. And are we forgetting any other guy that at least just deserves uh, some flowers right here? Royce. I mean, what, I mean he's been fine. Fun, fun, fun season aside from all this. I took last night. I just have been like, I mean, I said it, I've just been burned out already by yeah. everything. And I think like I knew I needed a day or two to kind of collect my thoughts because I've learned if it, it can be good to do like instant reac reaction pods, but sometimes your thoughts are not that well developed and yeah. you need to sleep in a, on an idea. You need to sleep on what you want to say. Um, you know, and it's good to get a nice eight hours and, and really think about. So I, it's it's a fun, it's actually a pretty fun season outside of this. So if you're a Hoops fan and you're burned out by everything that's going on with the Nets, go watch some other teams. Watch the Cavs. They're fun, Watch the Cavs. Yeah, Cavs, man. You go root for the Cavs. Don, Donovan's from New York. They got Karras. Karras looks got, good. For, they got Allen. Yeah, yeah. Darius is awesome. Kevin Love is sick. Yeah. They haven't posted anything anti-Semitic. <laughs> been accused of workplace misconduct. Um, 
you know, Cleveland's fine. Yep. So if if you're feeling burned out, you miss the sport, go watch other teams and just, uh, yeah, I just hope everybody's doing well. I know this has been a tough week for a lot of people, um, yep. for everybody that's, you know, um, just had, has felt personally affected by this. I offer my condolences, which I know doesn't mean shit, but it's the best it's the best I can do right now, and and I'm just hoping this conversation was just at least allowed people to, I don't know, vent your, with us, vent with us. us. <laughs> yeah, and know that hey, like people that are covering this team feel the exact same way. You know, um, I I'm with you. I'm I'm with pretty much everybody. Um, yeah. So, well, Lucas, uh, where can the people find you? Uh, the people can find me on Twitter, Lucas Kaplan. Oh, it might be Lucas. It's Lucas Calvin. Type in my name. You'll find it. I'm also writing for Nets Daily these days, which has been pretty awesome as first year actually on the beat going to games. And uh, I'm sorry to have to do this. I will say one last thing. Everyone who's saying, what about Amazon? Why aren't you blaming Amazon? We hate Amazon. What are you <laughs> talking about? You're dumb. It's the stupidest thing ever. Of course we hate. Oh, my God. I've just seen it so many times. It's yeah. so awful. I just I had to put it in words because writing wouldn't do it justice. Shut up. Amazon <laughs> bad. What do you want from me? That's we, it. Yeah. Like, I'm on Twitter writing for Nets Daily. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you can find me Twitter. Matt, Matt Brooks NBA. Um, uh, hopefully, I'll be doing basketball stuff. But uh, until then, you know, we'll be trudging along, I guess. Uh, <laughs> this was the saddest house forever, but that's kind of where we're at right now. We'll be trudging along, I guess. That's 2022. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this pod, go ahead and check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. Uh, it's called The Clear Out. If you, I don't know how you wouldn't know the name when you're listening to it, but there you go. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Peace.